1: surrender the ground back to Satan. Don't lose the ground that you gained during the fight, during the time. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. To depart from the true Jesus means to put yourself in jeopardy, to lose the things that the apostles and all the other faithful saints work for. This shows us that it isn't enough to start out right. You must fight and finish well. You must fight and finish
0: well. Have you ever noticed the tendency to pray more in times of need? Some of the most groundbreaking work in your spiritual life is during trials. They make you cling to God and His Word. Unfortunately, it can be easy to drift away when you're not forced to depend on God. In today's message, Pastor Dave will teach you to hold the ground that you've worked so hard to gain. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of Nehemiah chapter 7 as he begins his message. Hail, hail, the gang's all here.
1: Sure. Nehemiah chapter 7 I've entitled this section Hail Hail the Gang's All Here So <laughs> Nehemiah chapter 7 So this great work that Nehemiah had been called to do was now complete The walls completed The gates have been restored and hung into place Nehemiah had withstood Everything the enemy had thrown at him and prevailed. He had been steadfast and immovable. He knew exactly what God had called him to do and had called him to accomplish and nothing was going to keep him from this work because he knew that God was behind it. He knew that God was leading it and that God would provide all the necessary means to get it accomplished because he knew that in reality the work wasn't his. The work was the Lord's. When the Lord gives you a work to do, you need to be confident that He's going to do the work because it's His work to do. Yes, it looks like you're doing it and you are, but you're giving praise and glory to Him as He uses you mightily. As He uses you mightily. Jerusalem now was a new city. It's basically been reborn and it had been restored and the people were living in peace. Now the people had to stand. And they had to practice being the Lord's children and submit to his law. They had to submit to his leadership and they had to submit to his guidance. Sometimes this is a hard thing to do. Sometimes it's hard in the everyday mundane life. Oh, when you're in a trial, you pray, you go to the word of God, you fellowship, you call people and you're really going at it. But when things are going great, Eh, you know, I don't have to study tonight. I don't have to read the word of God. I don't have to pray. I can do this, I can do that, and we get lax. And we get lax, which is why reason I think that the Lord keeps sending us trouble after trouble. So He keeps us close to Him. Because we're closest to Him during times of trouble, during times of woe. But it's the hardest thing to do when there are no more battles to fight, when there's peace and safety, when everything is calm and the enemy has retreated, and there's no longer a threat from the enemy. It's sometimes hard to live. But, you know, the book of Ephesians, it's a great and wonderful read. In Ephesians 6.13, after he talked about the armor of God, he says this, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, why? That you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all. Stand. That's what they were asked to do now. That's what we're asked to do, stand. Stand firm in the Lord and the power of his might. Stand strong in the Lord, regardless of whether you're going through a trial or regardless of whether it's peace and safety and everything's hunky-dory. And I've told you this before, that you're either in one of two places. You're either coming out of a trial or you're going into a trial. You know, that's the two places you are. And they usually come in great succession. Sometimes they don't. But in these in-between times, we need to stand strong in the Lord. Because why? The Lord hasn't changed. He's still the great God you cried out to to help you in your time of woe. He's still the wonderful Savior, the wonderful God who who helped you all along through His Spirit. So we need to be in close contact with the Lord. And this is where we are in our study. We have to stand fast to the Lord even harder during those times. We don't want to drift. We don't want to drift. You know, In Hebrews 2 verse 1 it says, Take heed lest you drift. Drift away from the Lord because of the mundane, the boredom of not having to fight every day. We don't want to stop doing what we used to do during the fight. What did you do during the fight? You prayed. You had fellowship. You studied the word of God. You sang worship songs. You won't want to stop doing those things. You won't want to get used to doing those things. We want to continue to seek the Lord. We want to continue to pray. Continue to have fellowship one to another. And continue onward. We need to press onward to the upper call of Jesus Christ. He is our goal. And until we see him face to face, we can never stop. Paul says, I fought the good fight. I ran the race. That's what we need to do. We need to constantly be fighting the good fight even when there's no fight to fight. We need to constantly be moving. Nehemiah had been steadfast that he built the walls. And now in resisting the enemy, he had to be steadfast in consolidating and conserving the gain that they had made. They had made great gain. The people had come so far But Nehemiah didn't want them to slide back. He didn't want them to lose ground. He didn't want them to go backwards. And that's our prayer. You usually gain great ground during the midst of a trial. You get great wisdom. You get great knowledge. You get great understanding. And then the trial's over and it seems like, oh, well, that was fun. And then you start to slide backwards. You have to be very, very careful. Nehemiah knew that the people needed to move forward, not backwards. Even though they were to stand, they had to keep moving forward. Now I love this because, and you know I love the Apostle John. And in his second epistle, in verse 8, he says, Look to yourselves that we do not lose the things that we work for, but that we may receive a full reward. Don't lose the ground that you've gained. Don't surrender the ground back to Satan. Don't lose the ground that you gained during the fight. During the time, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. To depart from the true Jesus means to put yourself in jeopardy, to lose the things that the apostles and all the other faithful saints work for. This shows us that it isn't enough to start out right. You must fight and finish well. You must fight and finish well. Everyone wants to finish well. You must continue to race. We must fight the fight of faith to receive the full award. In other words, don't stop now. Some of us give up when victory is this far away, and we give up. So Nehemiah knew this. Nehemiah knew that they had to do that. The task before Nehemiah now was to organize the community of Jerusalem so that they would enjoy the quality of life God had wanted them to have. What's the quality of life that God wants you to have? It's called the abundant life. Jesus said, I've come to give them life and that life more abundantly. He's come to give us the abundant life. And I've always likened the abundant life to the promised land that the Jews went into. The abundant life that we have in Christ Jesus. That's what he wants us. But you need to take the whole bit. You don't need to take bits and pieces. God had great things in store for Jerusalem. We know that. We study the New Testament. One day, one day his beloved son Jesus would walk through the city streets of Jerusalem. Jerusalem. He would teach in the temple, and yes, he would die outside its walls. And the city of Jerusalem will also be a major player come the end times, of where we're studying in the book of Revelation. So the first thing Nehemiah does is he brings in those who stood by him, and he makes them leaders in the community. Let's look at chapter 7, verses 1 to 3. Then it was, when the wall was built, and I had hung the doors, when the gatekeepers and the singers and the Levites had been appointed, that I gave the charge of Jerusalem to my brother Hanani and Hananiah, the leader of the citadel, for he was a faithful man and feared God more than many. And I said to them, do not let the gates of Jerusalem be open until the sun is hot. And while they stand guard, let them shut the bar of the doors and appoint guards for among the inhabitants of Jerusalem, one at his watch station and the other in front of his own house. He appoints two assistants. One of them is his brother. We learned this before. It's his actual brother, Hananiah. He was the one that came back from Jerusalem and told Nehemiah about the disaster in Jerusalem, how the walls were torn down and the gates were gone. And he places them in charge. Hananiah is in charge of the citadel. This is the fortress in the temple area. It guards the north wall of the city because the north wall was most vulnerable to attack. He chose them because they were faithful men and they feared God. Have you ever noticed, have you ever noticed throughout scripture when men and women are chosen to do work for the Lord, there is always a criteria. There's always a criteria. And I love the criteria in Acts chapter six, in Acts chapter six, when There was a contention between the apostles and the Hellenistic Jews because they thought that their women were getting slighted. They thought that their women were getting slighted at the distribution of the food. And in Acts chapter 6, it says, in those days when the number of disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over the business. Do you see the criteria here? Good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom but we will ourselves continually pray and minister to the word. And they did that. And when they chose them together, they laid hands on them and then they sent them into the ministry. And every time you see someone coming into the ministry, there is a qualification for them. Paul writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy in chapter three, qualifications for a bishop, qualifications for a deacon. These qualifications are here. So there are qualifications. So he chose these men, Nehemiah, Because they were faithful men to him, faithful to God, and they feared God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So he chose them there. So God places it on Nehemiah's heart to gather the nobles and rulers and the people that he might register them by genealogy. He wants to know who's there. He wants to know if the gang is all here. So he does this. Let's look at 4 and 5. Now the city was large and spacious, but the people in it were few, and the houses were not rebuilt. Then my God put into my heart to gather the nobles, the rulers, and the people, that they might be registered by genealogy, and I found a register of the genealogy of those who had come up in the first return and found written in it. So God is basically telling him to find this genealogy. Now, it's okay when God tells you to number the people. When God calls you to do something, you should do it. Who got in trouble when he numbered the people without God's permission? David. David got severe trouble. In fact, David had to choose from three horrible things that were gonna happen to the people of Israel because of his sin. When he numbered the people, when he wasn't supposed to number the people. But here, God is putting it upon the heart of Nehemiah to find out who's there, who is with him. And the rest of the chapter is all the people that were there. All the people that were there. Basically, in 6 to 38, in verses 6 to 38, we see the first list of names. If you were to take this list and go back, you don't have to do it right now, but go back to Ezra 2 in verses 1 through 64, you'd find out that they're almost identical. It's the same rehashing of names. So you see these names. In verses 39 through 42, you see the priests. The priests were the ones who ministered to the body. They did the sacrificing. They did those kind of things. Then you see the Levites. Now, in order to be a priest, you had to be a Levite, but a certain member of a Levite. Whose son did you have to be to be a priest? Aaron. Aaron was the first priest. Aaron was, Moses was a Levite. Aaron was truly a Levite, but he became the first priest. And from his descendant, that's where the priest came from. Then in 43, it has the Levites. Now, what's the difference between the priest and the Levites? The Levites did the hard work. They were the ones that took care of things. They were the ones that took the tabernacle down and carried it. They're the ones that did a lot of work in the ministry and all the other kind of things that are going on. The priests ministered and did sacrifices. And then in verse 44, you have the singers you got to have singers everywhere you go, right? you got to have singers. you got to have the gang of sinners. Come on. That's in verse 44. There have the singers. Then you had the gatekeepers. The gatekeepers were extremely important because they guarded the gate. They guarded the gate and wouldn't let people in. You can read all these names for yourself. I'm not going to try to pronounce them because I'll butcher them. And you can read these things. But they had the gatekeepers and those kind of things. And then in verse 46 through 60, we had the nethodim. What? The nethodim. What does that mean? I had to look that up. It means given ones, those set apart. The Nephilim were a group of servants tasked with assisting the Levites in the service of the temple. The Nephilim did the menial work required in temple operations, such as wood cutting and water carrying. Most translations of the Bible refer to this group as temple servants. So that's who it was in verses 46 through 60. In verse 61 through 69... These is a the group that we remember. These are the ones who couldn't prove their identity. They wanted to be priests. They wanted to be higher up, but they couldn't prove their identity. And remember, they had to come in by what? The Orem and therum. remember? They had to be, come in by that. We studied that in Ezra. And then they even counted the animals. But in verse 70 through 72, you see the people giving to work. And some of the heads of the fathers' houses gave to the work. The governor gave to the treasury 1,000 gold drachmas, 50 basins, and 550 priestly garments. Some of the heads of the fathers' houses gave to the treasury the work of 20,000 gold drachmas and 2,200 silver minas. And that which the rest of the people gave was 20,000 gold drachmas, 2,000 silver minas, and 67 priestly garments. I love it. I love it. I love the fact that they are separated by what they did. They're grouped by what they did. And you know what I got from this? I'm gonna tell you. Each member, each member had a job to do. What I see in here is the body of Christ working together. The body of Christ working together. Each of us have a job to do. Not all of you are gonna be doing the same work. But we're all in this together, and each of us has a job to do. Each of us has a gift, and each of us need to expand on what that gift is and explore it and know what that is so you can be an edification to the body of Christ. But we each do our part, and the body of Christ moves on. Christ is the head. He's the head of the church. But each of us have a job to do, and you can read about that in Romans, about the body of Christ, in Corinthians, about the body of Christ. And now each part, each member is so important. No one is less significant than someone else. We might have different titles or different jobs to do, but that doesn't make us any higher or lower. We're all on equal plane with Christ. So I love that when you see this, and you see that they were divided. Everybody knew their place. Everybody knew what they were called to do. Everybody knew what they had to do, and I like that. Verse 73, it says, so the priests and the Levites, the gatekeepers, the singers, some of the people and the Nephilim, all Israel dwelt in their cities. They all dwelt in their cities. They all went and they now were living peacefully. They all had jobs to do. They were all counted and came forward to that. It is. It's a beautiful situation. Nehemiah did all this with the help of the Lord. Nehemiah was their leader. Nehemiah organized all this and he had all this done. And I like that. I like that. When we come to chapter 8, I've entitled chapter 8, People of the Book. People of the Book. Throughout history, Israel has been called the people of the book. Old Testament scriptures tell us what happens when God's children get away from loving, reading, and obeying the word of God. Soon, they begin to lose the blessing of God. To be fruitful, we must delight ourselves in God's word. In fact, if you look at the beautiful Psalm 1, it says in verse 2 and 3, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Why? Because he meditates on the word of God. Because the Word of God is important to him. The Word of God is powerful in his life, and he wants to live the way God wants him to live. So to be fruitful, we have to delight ourselves in God's Word, in the book. So in chapter 8, which I just like chapter 8. It's one of my favorite chapters. In chapter 8, the children of Israel were living in Jerusalem. They were working, and they were carrying on with their lives. They were standing firm in the Lord. Once again, the walls have been rebuilt, The gates had been restored. All the materials and the needs of the city continued to be met. But something was missing. Something was missing. Nehemiah. Nehemiah knew that in order for God to continue to bless them, the spiritual needs of the community had to be taken care of. Nehemiah wanted to put the word of God first and foremost in the life of the city. I love that. He knew how valuable the word of God was. He knew how important the Word of God was, so he wanted to make sure that all of the other people in the town knew that as well. And all the other people were coming for the Word of God and looking at the Word of God and trusting in the Word of God. It's important to any people to know the Word of God, I don't care who they are. When people stop reading the Word of God, when churches stop preaching and teaching the Word of God, evil doings and wickedness shortly follow. Look at our country. Look at our country. Take prayer out of schools. Take the Ten Commandments out of any public building that you can possibly see. Not allowed to use the name God here. Heaven forbid you use the name Jesus. You're not allowed to use those things. They've taken God away. They've taken him completely away. He's been cast aside. He's been put underfoot. And now, I believe our nation is suffering the consequences. Our nation is suffering the consequences because of what we've done, what we've done. And don't sit there and say, I didn't do that. Well, this is one thing I love about Nehemiah and I love about Ezra. When it came to confess the sin of the people, they were saying we. They didn't say the people, those guys. No, we, we did it. We took care of it, so we have to own up to it. It is the Spirit of God that uses the Word of God to cleanse us and revive the hearts of the people of God. The Spirit of God uses the Word of God to cleanse and revive the hearts of the people of God. If God is to work in us and through his people, they must respond positively to his Word. I love chapter 8 because in it I see an example of what many, many churches do. There are three parts to chapter 8, three basic responses to God's Word. Understanding, rejoicing, and obeying. I'm going to read from verses 1 through 8, and then we'll go back and we'll pick it up, okay? Actually, I'm reading the last verse of chapter 7. When the seventh month came, the children of Israel were in their cities. Now all the people gathered together as one man in the open square that was in front of the water gate, and they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly of men and women and all who could hear with understanding on the first day of the seventh month. Then he read from it in the open square that was in front of the water gate from morning until midday before the men and the women and those who could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. So Ezra the scribe stood on the platform of wood, which they had made for the purpose and beside him at his right hand stood those guys. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above all the people, and he opened it, and all the people stood up. I love that. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, while lifting up their hands, and they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Also, those people, and the law, of the people stood up in their place, so they read distinctly from the book of the law of God, and they gave sense and helped them to understand the reading. One commentator I studied, I like this, he said, quote, God's word must be understood before it can enter the heart and release its life-changing power, unquote.
0: You've been listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank. Pastor Dave is making his way through the book of Nehemiah, a book that follows Nehemiah and his exceptional leadership as he guides the people in rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. Nehemiah followed the lead of the Lord, and it's clear he was in God's will as he prepared to go and received blessing and favor from the king. But once he steps out to go, he encounters trial after trial. Have you ever noticed that following God looks like that? You know you're supposed to go, but when you finally step out in faith, that's when the attack of the enemy seems relentless. You can take that as a sign that you're headed in the right direction. Let the enemy's attack move you to greater faith. We're so glad you joined us today. The book of Nehemiah is filled with wisdom for life and leadership in a broken world, and you won't want to miss a moment. If you've already missed one, that's okay. You can head on over to our website, AssureHelpRadio.com, to pick up the ones you missed. There's also a link to our live stream on Facebook and YouTube. A Sure Hope is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel, Cape May, in Cape May, New Jersey. If you're in the area, stop by and see us. You can find all the information you need, including directions and service times, on that same website. Don't forget to head over to assurehoperadio.com. There's so much more waiting for you there. Well, thanks for coming today. We've come to the end of our time together, but we'll be back next time with more from A Sure Hope.